Hey guys, it's me, Ryan. I uh, just wanted to let you know ahead of time that uh, when we were recording this episode, I was accidentally recording from the microphone on my headphones for like the first hour, so I'm sure it sounds terrible, and I'm sorry about that. Uh, but otherwise, really lovely episode, and we, or I figured out the mic thing at some point, and got it fixed, so you're going to love it a lot. Here we go. It sort of reminds me of when I was learning how to ride a bike. I insisted on um, eating an apple while I was learning, because I had <laughs> read in this story once, the main character was this like very suave guy who would eat an apple riding down the road. Oh, I see. So I, I thought it'd be really best to learn while eating an apple. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah, start at level two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So we're already How- getting deep into the mind of the author. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, did that, how did that work out for you? Uh, I, I, I gave that up. I just I ate the apple, I think, and then just learned without it. Too many complications. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose, I guess, uh, that some people just give up on their dreams. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think I got it there eventually. I haven't ridden a bicycle in a long time, but I think I probably could do it while eating an apple now. I'm not sure. (laughs) Jeez. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to need to see a video. I mean, myself, I'm pretty confident on a bike. Oh, Um, Mm -hmm. I remember, like, changing from glasses to sunglasses while on a bike. Uh, Oh, wow. uh, I feel like I would do that and just immediately run into a parked car. Ah, well, you know, there are those who can, and there are those who can't (laughs) change into sunglasses. Uh, But, like, an apple is like, it it uses your whole hand. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it's a hand fruit. You don't have, like, spare fingers to man the tiller. <laughs> yeah, you have to keep a pretty good grip on it. I, I can see it. Well, I don't know. Now I'm not confident anymore. I. Mm. Did I ever tell you about the time I was doing deliveries for my sister's vegetable farm and she gave me an ear of corn to eat on the road? What? Yeah. <laughs> So I'm driving a giant van trying to eat an ear of corn. So was it like corn like that had been boiled? No, it was, um, I mean, it was good corn. So you could just go out in the field, pick an ear, peel the stuff back, pull out the corn the hair and just chomp down. <laughs> you know, oh, wow. the, the green stuff, the husk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My, my dad eats corn in the cob in the car all the time. Oh, he, he takes it. He takes it to work and then like eats it on the way home. Man, I'm impressed because that was, I think, the most difficult thing I've ever eaten while driving. <laughs> well, I mean, as as food goes, geez, I think that uh, corn on the cob might be the hardest thing to eat, just off the top of my head, anyway. Mm-mm. Hmm. 
Yeah, I can't think of well. Yeah, sure. Well, maybe by the end of this podcast, we'll have <laughs> come up with something else. I guess what's your what's your definition of hard to eat? Like hard to get into your mouth, hard to chew, hard to eat neatly, I, hard to hold on to. Um, I guess the uh, the standard we're looking at here is um, how much it interrupts your ability to either drive a car or ride a bike. Okay. See, some would be I, some would be much harder. I think. Uh, any kind of nut that you have to crack would be oh, very difficult, yeah. I would think. Yeah. Oh, how about an artichoke? <laughs> I think. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, Jenny. Yeah. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Ryan. It's been a while. Since we were talking on the on the podcast, it really has been. Yeah, um, to refresh our listeners who have forgotten what this is, why don't you introduce <laughs> the podcast? Hi, welcome to our podcast, Clash of the Typins, where we have interactive fiction authors on as guests and yell commands at them while they read their writing out loud to us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm Ryan. I'm the Ryan. Hi, Ryan. I am the Jenny. That's the Jenny, and our guest on this episode is. Hi, uh, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I am uh, the Caleb. Caleb Wilson is my name. Yes. Hi, the Caleb. I knew that. I was just, I just assumed that he would introduce himself without being asked, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I this, uh, maybe we can like edit that a little bit. The so long, not pause. long pause there. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. All right. Should we applaud right now? That was a pun, right? Uh, on no, wait. Pun? Was Jenny confusing or pretending to confuse the word pause and the word applause? Wait, what was? Oh going on? no, I totally did confuse the word pause and applause. Oh, okay. I thought I thought oh. Caleb was asking if instead, um, if we could edit in like right before he says his name, if we could just edit in. Oh yeah. Curious applause. Oh, no, Before that, he says his that name. That seems excessive. Uh, that yeah. would be... <laughs> I can't really even imagine any... Who is that <laughs> famous that people start applauding before they know who it is? I don't know. I guess oh, Emily I Short. Oh, yeah. We should have Emily yeah. Short on the podcast. We should. Eventually. But we have to make do with what we have. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, today we have Caleb Wilson, who, uh, what game are we playing with you today? Uh, I think we will play a game called Starry Seek Sorrow. That is good, because that is a good name for a game that I like a lot. Oh, I thank hope you. I don't have to say it out loud. Say what out loud? Why not? Oh, 
Oh no. Starry Seek Sorrow. Whoa, I did it. It's not so hey. bad. Yeah, yeah. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. I believed in you. And I gave you the <laughs> power to believe in yourself. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to say by way of introducing this game? Hmm. What, so this was one that I wrote for the uh, the shuffle comp. Oh, that okay. was a, uh, for the second the second time they did it. So it was this was a game where a bunch of people who were interested in taking part all passed around a handful of uh, songs, and then the participants got a bunch of random songs, and you you had to take one or more of those to be the prompt for your game. Mm-hmm. And so. so was this- I, one song or multiple songs? Uh, this is one particular song. Okay. That uh, it doesn't, I mean, you don't need to know anything about the song. I basically just took a lot of, but a lot of the imagery from it and like the idea from it and everything I could actually from it comes from this one particular song. What song would that be? Um, the song is called, uh, the song is called The Violet Hour. And the band is called Dolls Come to Life. All evocative things. Yes. Yeah, it was not a song I'd ever heard of before. It's not even necessarily a song I like all that much, but it had, there was a lot of uh, good imagery in there. Hmm. The steel. Oh, wow. Thank you for making me Google this, because I was trying to remember the name of the speakeasy in Chicago where you can go and they will, like, serve you a cocktail that is frozen into a spherical ice cube and you have to hit it with a hammer. Or, like, they will serve you a cocktail where you have to vaporize another cocktail and waft it through the first cocktail. What is going on? Why did that come up when you (laughs) were Googling things? It's called the Violet Hour. The name of the speakeasy uh. is The Violet Hour, which is what came up when I Googled it just now. I see. Oh. This is already oh. a really thematically dense episode. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of unpacking. Yeah, look at that. I think there's a lot of things called The Violet Hour. I wonder if it's a line from a poem. Oh. That would be really, yeah, that, that would make sense. I was reading about a poet today. And, um, I, uh, for whatever reason, I was like, I should write something about this person. I'll steal this line, uh, as the title of my game or whatever I'm going to write about this person. And then I found out that that is the line that everyone else uses as their title as of something from that poet. It was as if I had said, I think that I will make my Shakespearean game with the title to be or not to be. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it was mortifying. <laughs> um, so that's part of the author's process. The author's process yeah, I... involves Googling things, mm-hmm. coming up with ideas, rejecting ideas. Yeah, definitely. Choosing yeah, to work within constraints or croissants. Yeah. Titles are important. Mm-hmm. And so did Sorry Seek Sorrow, this title, come out of the song? No. Um, that's not in there at all. That just popped into my head. You just made it with the artist's greatest tool, his brain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the power of imagination. Yep, yep. Delightful. 
Are you, uh, I, are you ready to start playing? I think yeah, that in a moment sense, yeah. I will be ready to start playing. All right. Oh, okay. And having centered myself, I now am ready. If you begin whenever you choose, please. All right. All right. Here we go. You wake up. That's not good. You're one of Klaus's dolls. Klaus must be in danger. Starry Seek Sorrow, an interactive fiction by Caleb Wilson. Release 2, slash serial number 160602, slash inform 7, build 6M62, I6, slash B6.33, lib 6, slash 12N. Yay! Hmm. It's been a while since we had a banner text. Uh, what did it you say the serial oh. number was? Oh, uh, it is 160602. Hmm. Does that mean that it's from February of last year or that you updated it or what? Um, I probably updated it then. Um, I originally wrote this in, uh, it was originally released in May of 2015. And I probably updated it about a year. Yeah, that's probably what Does it say release too? Did I just miss that? Yes. Okay. It is release too. Okay. Um, the main thing I changed, I fixed a couple little things, but it was originally released under a pseudonym. Oh, yeah, in the, in the Shuffle Comp, all the games, when you sent out your random, or not random, when you sent out your list of songs, you also sent out a, a bunch of pseudonyms for everyone to use. Hmm. Uh, so I, this was originally written under the name Ayla Rose. Ayla okay. Rose, which is like Caleb, sounds like Ayla, and Rose, which is seemingly French unrelated. or Wilson. Well, it, ha- it does have a it does have a certain thematic connection to it. I think that's why I picked that one. I mean, when you when we got the, the pseudonyms are like a huge mixture of like ridiculous and just sort of normal. So, oh yeah, I just realized that someone like said I think A La Rose would be a good synonym. Synonym. <laughs> yeah, a synonym Oops. for a pseudonym. A cinnamon pseudonym. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, Ayla Rose, continue, Ayla please. Rose. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, hidden lawn, a narrow, secluded spot in which Klaus is fond of reading. The ground is covered by beds of lace grass. The sky is a crescent of deep blue, interlocking above interlocking squirrel puzzle trees. Archways under bowed trunks open north and east. Klaus is lying on his back in the grass. A starry seek sorrow grows near Klaus's head. A heavy edition of Archibald's 1001 Nights of Slee has fallen at Klaus's side. A paper doll stands here, shivering slightly in the breeze. There's a lot going on. There really is. Yep. Oh, and I should probably say, uh, that's Knights of Sleep with a K. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... Is that a Money Python? Uh, not in particular, no. Okay. I don't think. Remember in <laughs> junior high? <laughs> yep. <laughs> what the heck happened? Like, is that a, like a, was that a, like, the years that I was in junior high and early high school or is that like was that 
is that just something an age thing? Was it a I, single thing or an age thing? It might be an age thing because you're so I think you are seven years younger than I am. Um, and and your age of Monty Python was very similar to my age of Monty yeah. Python. So yeah. how especially given that it was years and years ago before streaming services, how did all these drama nerds have access to Monty Python? Was it on PBS and I just didn't know? Oh. I think it was. It was on something. People taped it off things. Hmm. Yeah. Or I've seen some of it. They definitely had, they had VHS tapes and I had uh, like a dual CD set of audio sketches. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and they had books of sketches in text form. Oh. Yeah. But sketches in text form doesn't account for the Mm -hmm. phenomena that when you are 13, you decide (laughs) this is the funniest thing I've ever heard. And the height of you, like your skill as a comedian is your ability to imitate and recite Monty Python bits. Hmm. How is that? I wonder if that's still a thing. Oh, you know, I, I hadn't thought so. about I hadn't thought about it like this before, but it is like a crazy alien mind virus. It's kind, of, yeah, yeah. It's weird. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, I've not heard kids. I don't think kids know about Monty Python anymore. Hmm. Um, I actually had Monty Python quoted at me during lecture today by a classmate that I know is 21 years old. Oh, so oh, okay. it goes back at least that far. So if that person is 21 today, then they were 13 in uh, 2009. And that is not that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I did all that math for nothing. Oh no. What a waste of math. <laughs> anyway, um anyway. so we were playing Starry Seek Salaro by Kalagela yeah. and I think I would like to investigate the squirrel puzzle trees. Okay. X squirrel puzzle. The squirrel puzzle trunks spiral and knot around one another, forming an impenetrable wall. Okay. Mm, I would like to examine the starry seek sorrow, because I feel like it's going to be a problem. Okay. Examine starry seek sorrow. A peculiar and worrisome orchid with green-black petals dappled in yellow and pink. Hmm. Hmm. Sounds unattractive. These descriptions aren't giving me extra stuff to latch on to. You know? It's not like I've examined the trees and then the the description of the trees doesn't give me any reason to waste a bunch of time staring at the trees and trying to make them do something. Yes. Yeah. Same with yes. the starry seek sorrow. That is true with the trees. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's. Ex- mm. Hmm. 
Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Why don't we should always examine yourself first? That's so true. Okay. Just in life. Undo, undo, and then examine yourself (laughs) to correct the heinous mistake that we've made. All right. Uh, In fact, I'll... Is he really doing that? Yep, yep. Oh, wow. Okay. This is the speedrun strat. (laughs) Don't have any wasted moves. Okay. (laughs) X me. You are Bonnie Blythe, an 18-inch high doll with ceramic hands, feet, and head, and a cloth body. Klaus's parents, who are skilled magicians, enchanted you to come to life in case he comes under a threat. Okay. Have those dolls always bothered me? Uh, yes. Yeah. I wanted all, all of my dolls to be made of the same material, except it was fine if the hair was not. In fact, it was better if the hair was not. Uh oh yeah, the ones with the yeah. like ceramic hair are even worse, probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay, can we should we examine Klaus? Okay. X Klaus. Klaus is lying flat on his back. His skin is dotted with sweat. He appears comatose, so his eyes are open, the pupils glimmering yellow, pink, and green. Klaus are those the, the colors child? from huh? the starry seek sorrow? <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah. I am just I'm honestly I think, asking I think it's a coincidence <laughs> okay uh, continuing Klaus is the only child of two skilled magicians he is perhaps too curious for his own good which is why his parents enchanted his dolls to protect him in case of a magical attack uh-huh. <sighs> the only child of these two skilled magicians I was going to say the, the same thing any... yeah. and then I was like <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be pedantic <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to jump in front of that train for you. <laughs> um, he is he is the only child of two particular skilled magicians. Okay. His parents. Yes. <laughs> we assume. And random God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's examine that paper doll. Okay. The paper doll is about six inches high and cut from cardstock. Klaus's parents have enchanted it to obey your commands. Mm. The doll is equipped with a paper dragon face, paper thigh boots, and a paper fringed dress. And so this is a little, this is in uh, brackets, but I put in like these pointers for people who didn't play a lot of this type of game. Sure. But so it says command the doll with syntax, doll go east or doll take the book. Sort of your classic. uh, Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sailor, hello. Yeah. No. No. Well, hello isn't a command. Right. And in fact, as an author, when people try <laughs> comma hello, it really trips me up when I'm reading transcripts. Like, nobody does that, but they always do. <laughs> I just thought saying Sailor Hello would be funny. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I I never see, I never notice or recognize jokes if there is an opportunity to whine about the way people play games. <laughs> sort of overrides everything else. Yeah. This is about authors, the author's perspective. What is your perspective, Caleb? Hmm. I I don't know. I sort of 
I've never seen in a so my my perspective is that I hardly ever have games with characters that you can talk to. Sure, that's my that's my philosophy. Um, I don't know if I've ever in the ones where I do you. So the ones where you have detailed conversations, I just have put in you know talk to so and so, and then you yeah. pick stuff off a menu because you know it's easier. Yeah. Um, yeah, that seems fine to me. So we have a doll that we can command to do things if we ever figure out what we want to command the doll to do. And we have a little boy who has been ensorcelled by a flower. <laughs> um, and there's a copy of some book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Let's investigate the book. Klaus lugs this heavy reference manual of otherworldly knights everywhere. The book's paper dust jacket is illustrated with a drawing of a shield and sword. Look up Lancelot in book. (laughs) The index is too complicated for you to understand. Flipping randomly through the Book of Knights, you find an anecdote in which Swa Arnold defeated King Quek. Jenny. Yeah? I think it might be a procedural book. I was having the same thought, Ryan. That's so there's something rad. about There's something about the word quick that sounds really procedural. <laughs> uh, no, I, I made that one up. Oh. The names are not a procedure. The, the, the anecdotes are in, in a certain way, Well, but the names are not. You know, some people can handle procedural name generation, and some people can't, I guess. I love it. I think I yeah I I think I would probably be in the camp that could not in 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 form anyway. I, I made no one with a bunch oh, yeah. of tweaks where um it it was uh, so I read through Game of Thrones that series and uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Don't yeah. pedant at me. Um, I only yeah. pedant about things I give a care about. <laughs> oh, I meant the listeners. Oh, okay. Not <laughs> Yeah, and I don't think this is as true as it felt like while I was reading it, but it felt like they just took straight-up English names and changed yeah, one changed letter. changed one letter, yeah, random. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I wrote uh, I wrote a thing that would do that and then change anything that, that came out with horrible consonants next to each other. Oh, yeah, I think that's probably how he made the names of that, because they're, they're all just, some are okay, but some are just not quite mm-hmm. okay. It's uh, Boffrey and Ellis and uh, Greng. I'm just my, making my favorite. Words. My favorite was where he he made the name Jamie, but he spelled it slightly differently, oh, yeah. and so it turns yeah. into the name Jaime, which yeah. is odd. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that have you ever gotten pedanted at? On Twitter for something you said on typins because I don't think I Never. have. Never, I don't think enough oh. people. Ah, uh... uh. wait. Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah. Someone, okay. I'm not going to say who, mm-hmm. pointed out something very interesting, but still pedanty about <laughs> our conversation about positive anymore, and uh, <laughs> so. We can't say that. Anyway, let's get back to the game. Um, 
anymore, it's hard to talk about anything without uh, getting pedanted at. Uh, those are the case. <laughs> okay. Do you have any ideas, Ryan? I feel like I can't fully remember all the nouns. Yeah. Can we hear the nouns again? Sure. Uh, let's see. There is... Uh, well, first thing, there is archways that go north and east. Oh. Okay. There is Klaus. There is a Starry Seek Sorrow. There I'm is the heavy them in book. my mind. Yes. And the paper doll. I have images of all these things in my there's also, head. You looked at the squirrel puzzle trees, but there's also lace grass. Lace grass. That is the thing. Let's, yeah. Sure. Let's look at that. Yes. The blades of grass are woven together in patterns like lace. Hmm. Lace this grass. is some sort of weird area. Yes. Well, I mean, Klaus's parents are the only magicians in existence. Okay. Uh, let's go north. Uh, north. Folly. Patterns of green and gold play around a structure of mossy stones built to look like a ruined temple. Go Packers. Uh, its walls are overgrown with creeping diamond bane Mm. paths lead east south to the hidden lawn and southeast a single diamond bane flower grows low enough for you to reach inside the temple is a grooved marble altar on the art on the altar are a pair of clippers and a guidebook take that flower immediately who yeah, cares definitely. what it does or whether it will yeah. kill us. The diamond bane flower is still attached to the stem. You'll have to cut oh. it first. Oh, okay. Let's take those shears. Or were they clippers? The clippers? clippers. Go clippers. clippers. Taken. Oh. Now can we cut the flower? Cut flower. Cut flower with the pair of clippers. You cut the diamond bane flower free from its stem. It flutters to the ground. Um, you know, cut is a default verb in Inform 7, or default action, that um, I don't remember ever... I guess in a game I wrote, but I think this might be the first game. Is that right? I No, I think I, I think I had to create it. No... No, cut with maybe. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's what I did. Okay. Because cut, yeah, cut is. Um, oh yeah, cut is attack. Cut is the same as attack. Oh. But I that doesn't sound right either. Cut. Well, whatever. Well, I, I did add. I changed it to cut with, and it's like you can do all kinds of different things. I think you can even just take it, and if you have the clippers, it you can oh. cut it. Hey. I think. I can't remember though. Okay, well, um, let's take it now. Let's. Uh, I would say... Take flower. Taken. Woo. Now let's examine it after having decided that we should put it in our hands. <laughs> A spidey flower with hundreds of short, stiff, dark blue petals. Hmm. Cute. Okay. Yeah, And nice. uh, what's this guidebook? Cowell's Guide to Arcane Flowers, Trees, and Shrubs is a standard reference for magical gardening. Ooh. Klaus, 
Klaus loves to pour over it whenever he gets the chance. There is an index at the back allowing you to consult the book on particular plants. Oh, yeah. We're, okay. we're going to need to just take that book with us. Taken. Okay, should we look up the Seek seek Sorrow? The Starry Seek Sorrow first? I knew it would be tough eventually. I think, (laughs) okay, we've got Lace Grass. We've got Squirrel Puzzle Treats. We've got Starry Seek Sorrow. We've got Diamond Bang Flower. We've got, uh, I feel like there was the Magic Moss. Um, There's. (laughs) (laughs) I think you just made up Magic Moss. There's Moss on the Rocks, right? Did it have a name? Uh, Nope, it just said they're mossy. Okay. Go ahead and look stuff up. Okay, all those things you mentioned? (laughs) I was so sure. (laughs) (laughs) They all all have entries. I should hope so. The magical doll who has been enchanted to um, do anything that Ryan says. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't have time for that right now. Um, Oh. Yeah. We have to go to... A new special segment on Clash of the Titans <laughs> called. What is it called again? Caleb Wilson's Able Wisdom. Uh, And this is where you write in to at type underscore ins with your advice questions for Caleb, and he will answer them. Uh, uh, Caleb. Yes. You ready to dispense with some advice? I think so, yeah. Okay. Our first question comes from friend of the show, Zombie Ham. At Zombie Ham, Hamish McIntyre, who asks, "What is the best way to quickly exit an uncomfortable situation? So uncomfortable social situation." So the best technique I've found, which doesn't always work, and when it doesn't work, it, it makes it much worse, is to say, uh, "Sorry, I've really got to get going," and like try to edge away. But the problem is. If it doesn't, if they don't take that, then it just becomes much worse because you've been, they've called your bluff, kind of. Um, this happened, this actually happened to me the other day. Oh, yes. Describe it oh, in oh, detail. Yeah. Well, I'll try to be a little vague. So I, I work at a, um, I work at a public library and there are people who come to the library, uh, recognize me and, and sometimes will talk to me outside of the library. And this something like this happened the other day, and, it, uh, and I'm trying to think how much t- I probably shouldn't go into any detail, but I was like walking somewhere, and you know someone's like came came across at an angle to my path and met me, and I tried to I tried to kept like inching aside and be like oh I got gotta go, but it took me three three t- uh, tries before I could actually escape. So would you say that be. you really have? Any useful answer to Hamish's question? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, really, yeah. If, if you just trying to leave is the best way I know of, and if you can make that, sometimes you can make that, you know, a natural thing. Sometimes you just have to 
it's like ripping a Band-Aid off, kind of. I see. So, so if someone comes up and tries to talk to you, you should rip all their Band-Aids off and run away. Mm. <laughs> that would work, I think. Okay. <laughs> so um, to answer the question, what is the best way to quickly exit an uncomfortable social situation, your advice would be to exit quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, when you phrase it that way, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's not very specific, but yeah, I think it holds. Well, let's see if this segment can be um, salvaged with another question uh, from Q Fever at Q Fever, spelled a weird way, who says or asks, what are some particularly good books to read in bed, either alone, silently, while falling asleep, or aloud to a partner? So uh, there is a, a good book, a really good book that I like to read out loud. It's it's like really fun to read out loud to other people is uh, The 13 Clocks by James Thurber. Hmm. It's a uh, it's it's really fun. It's sort of a fairy tale. Well, it's it's fairy tale like. Um, but it's also the. The key thing, I think, for reading, I'm going with the reading out loud angle. Sure. The key thing is that it has nice short chapters. Okay. Um, so I've I've tried reading out loud books before and had to give up because the chapters were too long and it's and you it just becomes sort of like a terrible burden every night to read the chapter. So nice short chapters and also this and the thirteen clocks is is really fun and funny and it's got you know little sections with lots of alliteration and. You can do voices and things if you want, but you don't have to do funny voices. Um, All right. That's a really good one. Uh, and that the author of that book was? Uh, the author is James Thurber. All right. Now, to answer the other part of the question, what is a good book to read alone, silently, while falling asleep? Hmm. So, silently, while falling asleep. I, so, I... Hmm... I guess it, it sort of depends. Some one I like reading um, while falling asleep. Hmm. Let me think a second. I actually, so I saw that question, in, the other one in advance, and I thought of an answer for it, but I did not think of an answer for this part. Yeah. Um, so here's, I know, I'll come at it from a different angle. So the the author, my wife, loves reading while she's falling asleep is Terry Pratchett because she has read She's read all of them, but she rereads them because that way, as soon as she's ready to fall asleep, she knows exactly what's going to happen. So she can just, uh, you know, close it up and put it aside. But if it's uh-huh. a book she hasn't read, she'll keep reading till like two in the morning. That makes a lot of sense. So she's never like, oh man, what, how is Vimes going to get out of this one? Exactly. Yeah. So that's a good idea. Your advice would be for anyone who's trying to fall asleep that they should read Discworld books. Well, yes, but also uh, any old favorites are really good to read. Okay. I, yeah. That works for your wife. Yes. I See, for myself, I cannot read while I'm falling asleep because I just fall asleep. So I read for about five minutes and then fall asleep. Hmm. And what are you reading? Right now I am reading... I really want to get... A solid answer to this question. All right. So right now I'm reading a book called that's actually 
pretty funny called uh, I Am Not Sidney Poitier by Percival Everett. And it's about this this um, kid whose name is literally not Sidney Poitier. <laughs> he always has like, it's it's pretty hilarious because he, he always has lots of uh, communications problems, like trying to tell people what his name is. <laughs> and he... And he also, he, and the thing that happened in the book is that because he's always getting beat up at school, he uh, finds this this uh, book of by this guy named Anton Fesmer, and so he learns how to fesmerize people, <laughs> where he can like stare at them with one raised eyebrow, and sometimes they'll uh, do they'll do his his will, but sometimes wow. it doesn't work at all. So, hmm. and it puts you right to sleep, you say. Uh, well, just anything will really. Oh, okay. That yeah. sounds like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, for, for whatever reason, I, I just if I if I'm reading at night, I just immediately fall asleep. So. Okay, so to reiterate, to uh, sum up, if you want to read aloud to a partner, you should read the Thirteen Clocks by Something Thurber. Yes, James. If you want to fall asleep. You should read Terry Pratchett books or I Am Not Sidney Poitier. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that this has been a fantastic installment of Caleb Wilson's Able Wisdom. I do remember the name. Great segment. Thank you, Caleb. Let's get back to yeah. Starry Seek Sorrow by Caleb Wilson, where I think we were about to look up a bunch of plants. Oh, we sure were. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, which one do you want to look up first? I think we should save the Starry Seek Sorrow for last, because it's so dramatic. And Let's do the lace grass. Yeah, that seems like the least scary. Okay. Yeah. Blaze grass is an evergreen ornamental grass popular in temperate magical gardens. Its blades are known to spontaneously weave themselves into dense, intricate lace like mats, obviating the need for mowing or trimming. Hmm. Noise. Mm hmm. Convenient. Oh, yes. Um, what about squirrel puzzle trees? The squirrel puzzle is a leafless, spiny tree which sends up multiple trunks from a single subterranean runner. The trunks, which can reach a height of 100 feet, coil and knot around one another as they grow, making this tree suitable for the impenetrable outer borders of magical gardens. Okay. There was also something diamond. Diamond bane. Oh yeah, the diamond bane. The diamond bane is a flower with dubious magical qualities, which grows on a creeping vine. It is seldom grown in or near greenhouses due to the bloom's damaging effect on glass. Uh, mm. I bet we could use that for something later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Is that everything except the story seek sorrow? Um, if the moss was moss, <laughs> let's try looking up the moss. <laughs> okay, dear Ryan. Uh, you check the index, but see no entry for moss. Okay. Okay. Um, yes, then let us look up the starry seek sorrow. The starry seek sorrow orchid is the most dangerous and alluring of arcane flowers. Uh-oh. It's scent like a combination of hot metal, burnt sugar, blood, sweet pine sap, vinegar, bones, violets, rotten silk, peat, earthworms, overripe pears, apple juice, roses, and many other fleeting notes is so complex as to induce catatonia in anyone unfortunate enough to smell it. The starry seek sorrow does not have a natural habitat and grows only under the influence of a magician's curse. Oh. Oh, wow. Which of Caleb's parents... Wanted to curse him. I hope it was a completely unaffiliated magician. But there are only two magicians. Now there's more than there's yeah. So to clarify that ambiguity, uh, Klaus is the is the single child of these two magicians. But there are other magicians. A, I okay. think that Klaus is clearly a stand-in for the author. And <laughs> B. <laughs> I don't think that you've demonstrated, at least to my satisfaction, that any magician exists in this world other than Caleb's parents. That is true so far. You can say, you know, all you want that there's some other magician out there, but the author is dead. And (laughs) all your sentences are as a piddle in a puddle, as far as I'm concerned. Right, fair enough, fair enough. So um, is this an author insertion, Caleb? Uh, no. No? You weren't no. raised as the only child of magicians? No, no. Yeah. I, I didn't have a magical doll. Uh, I do like gardens, though. So I guess that there's that. Yeah. Gardens are good. I got plants in them. Plants are good. That's my hot five on gardens. <laughs> Hot five? That's not a thing. I was I was ready to believe that a hot five was a thing. <laughs> it's yeah, like I, a hot take and a tight five had yeah, a baby. Yeah, I, I bought it. That is yeah. I'm gonna start having hot fives on things. Yeah. I think that that's yeah. gonna be a regular segment. <laughs> Jenny's hot five. All right. That was my hot five on hot fives. Okay. Should we go to... Have we exhausted this room? Um, the There is a grooved altar. There's some rocks. Yeah. Uh, let's examine that altar. Yeah. The temple might be fake, but this altar has the unfalsifiable, eerie presence of the real thing. Klaus's parents, avid antiquarians, imported it from an otherworldly dig site. Once Klaus sacrificed you on this altar... And then sewed you up again, thankfully. Some significance of an expedition nags at your mind. That last sentence is in italics. Oh, can we remember expedition? Uh, Oh, you know what? This is in brackets. You don't need to do that. Just examine things that are mentioned. So you can examine the expedition. 
Whoa. Okay. The memory writhes like something alive. It's like a fat snake woven into a tapestry of dry and dusty threads. Klaus's parents, Victor and Alva Lindworm, acquired the altar 15 years ago. They had heard news of a secret expedition to the ruins of Slee, the ancient otherworldly city which is the source of all magic. The expedition was headed by their old tutor from Blackbow, Percival Vitus Peck. Victor and Alva, who had just moved into their estate at Nightshade, young and full of mischief before they had a young Klaus to worry over, decided it would be a legendary lark to infiltrate Percival's expedition and reassign the ownership of some of his finds. So they donned preposterous disguises, feathers, false beards, dark glasses, long robes, and long swords, and blustered their way into the dig site where they stole this altar out from under Percival's nose. Further significances nag at your mind. A personal relationship and a tragedy. Oh, jeez. Which one do we do first? I don't know. I... I think that we should leave certain topics well enough alone and just not worry about personal relationships at all. <laughs> uh, okay, let's examine the tragedy and get that over with. Okay. The memory stands out like a misshapen leaf in an otherwise flawless hedge. In order to infiltrate the dig site, Victor and Alva had to disable a warning spell set in place by Percival. It was easy to delete the spell. Victor's magic was dull, or sorry, Percival's magic was dull and obvious. No match for the casual genius of the two brilliant Blackbow alumni, fired as they were by the low-stakes villainy of what they were doing. The warning spell vanished as they wriggled their fingers like spiders. They did not realize they were deleting a warding spell along with the warning spell. Uh -oh. once, they, once they had flown away into the sky with the stolen altar obediently floating behind them, the missing warding spell was noticed, but not by Percival. A rotted lepse emerged from the necrotic abysmal depths of Slee and carried off Percival's infant son Charlie from his cradle in the oh, command tent. Geez. And Percival was sent insane by grief and rage. Oh, oh that was worse than I thought it was going to be. A rotted what? Uh, a rotted lepse. Is that a thing? Am I supposed to know what that means? Uh, no. Okay, not necessarily, but it's it's a. Uh, You're breaking up a little uh, bit, and I wasn't sure if I was mishearing something. Mm. Yeah, no. it was a just a momentary lapse. It's it's cap it is cap <laughs> it is capitalized, so it's maybe something that the characters know what it is. Okay. Well, it doesn't concern us. No, and neither does a personal relationship, which I refuse to examine. I kind of want. Want to examine the personal relationship? <sighs> well, I guess, I guess this podcast does have two hosts who have That's equal true. say, and if uh, one right, of those hosts wants to go against the wishes of the other host, that he's made very, <laughs> very clear. <laughs> you don't have to listen. Okay, I'm going to take my take headphones, your headphones out. out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Here goes then. Okay. The memory gleams like a glowing flower, almost buried under deep jungle growth. Alva and Victor had no particular reason to dislike Percival Vitus Peck, beyond the generalized and impersonal disdain engendered by any unacceptable teacher in the breast of his students. Until they heard news of his expedition to Slee, neither had even thought of him in several years. Okay, is that it? Yep. Boy, I bet Ryan's expecting there to be way more of that. It's, 
Is it okay for me to come back? Yep, yeah, it's all done. yeah. Oh, okay. It's good. We're fine. Cool. Thanks. You're safe now. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, did we? Did in the memory? Did we hear the names of any plants that we should look up? Nope. Not, not that I remember. Okay. Anymore. Then nothing. Nothing important happened. Uh, let's go east. Okay. Right? Are we ready to go east? I am. Okay. East. Orchard. The hummocky ground is shaded by large fruit trees. Paths lead south, west to the folly, and northeast. A coffin tree grows here. High in its branches sprouts an immature gall the size of a baby's casket. Close to the ground, its massive, mature gall is split open, ready for use. A chime cherry tree is covered with fruit. Most of the cherries are unripe, but one bunch hanging six feet up, bright red and glossy, looks ready to chime. A clump of needle vine is entangled with a bunch of ripe chime cherries. One spiny tendril dangles down almost to the ground. A zephyr wart blows in to greet you on a dancing column of vegetation. The zephyr wart whirls excitedly around the bunch of chime cherries, but the needle vine has tangled them up so they don't make a sound. Okay. Let's look up all of these plants. Yeah. Yeah. Shall I just go in the order that they were listed? Sure. Look up coffin tree. The coffin tree is host to a symbiotic species of ghost, which induces the growth of large hollow galls, which resemble and are, and are occasionally used as coffins. A corpse buried in such a coffin gall will become, in turn, a coffin tree ghost and float in the form of an invisible spore until it finds an unfertilized coffin tree to inhabit. That's messed up. Yeah, that's real weird. Uh, next I'll look up chime cherry. The sweet and tart fruit of the chime cherry tree contains, instead of a pit, a tiny metal bell. When ripe, the fruit splits, allowing the bunches of cherries to ring like a wind chime. Because of its lack of seeds, the chime cherry does not grow naturally and must be magically propagated. And look it up. The needle vine. Needle vine, an epiphytic parasite, is a common weed in magical gardens. It has no roots, instead subsisting directly on the magical energy of other arcane plants, leached through a prehensile haustorium. The needle vine is equipped with sharp thorns, which it, it is quick to brandish at anyone who disturbs it, making its eradication quite difficult. Mm. And last, I will look up Zephyr Wart. Oh, and also, each um, every time you're in this room, it, it also said, with every action, the Zephyr Wart whirls excitedly around the bunch of chime cherries, but the needle vine has tangled them up so they don't make a sound. Okay. Yeah, I think we're going to have to deal with this needle vine at some point. Zephyr wart is a mobile, semi-intelligent weed. The zephyr wart plant has a playful manner, seemingly enjoying following and even pestering people it comes across, though fortunately it is easily distracted. Since it does not permanently root, instead resting at night to take sustenance from pools of water or from the dew, the zephyr wart rarely grows larger than human height, but travelers have reported finding vast monocultures of zephyr wart, thrashing jungles in which the playful teasing of the plant, magnified to the scale of a landscape, can quickly become deadly. Oh, jeez. Wizards. I don't want to get teased to death by plants. Um, no, that's a t-shirt. 
<laughs> yeah. Just put that in the generator. Crud. Sorry, I just okay. realized I'm recording to my headphone mic. We're good now. Uh, so, um, like we were saying, um, do you have any idea about how to get rid of the uh, spiky thing? Not immediately. Well, I mean, we do have the clippers. I feel like we're going to, like, this is a puzzle and we're going to need something else, but we might as well try cutting it with the clippers. Sure, sure. Okay, cut needle vine. The needle vine spasms, then draws itself higher up the chime chariot out of sight. Okay. Mm. You just put it in an unwinnable state. I'm so sorry. What is what is the Zarfian cruelty of the Starry Seek oh. Sorrow? What is um, the Zarfian is... cruelty of the Starry Seek Sorrow? <laughs> it's um, trying to remember what the different levels are. You can't put it in an unwinnable state. Good. But you can, towards the end, you can get in a suboptimal ending. But nothing you, can't, okay. um, nothing you can't undo until the very end. Okay. Um, uh, we don't want to do anything with the coffin at the moment, right? Yeah, we definitely don't want to die and get put in it and become a coffin tree ghost. That's so, like... Because, <laughs> like, you you or someone has to make that decision to bury you in that coffin, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I'm going to make this person be a ghost that has to find a certain plant. Yeah, yeah. and just go live in, a, live in a coffin tree forever. That's what I want for Grandma. <laughs> That's real weird. It's quite weird. Um, okay, we could we could keep exploring exits. I think I don't we should. If there was anything else in this room? What I do you th- think we should do? I think we should go south from here. We can go south from here, right? Yes. Greenhouse, a sunny green bank. Paths lead north to the orchard northwest to the folly, and west to the hidden lawn. The paned glass wall of the greenhouse rises to the east. High above your head, a reflection of the sun gleams. Growing inside the greenhouse, you see a sweet masculine, a Galen's glory, a liger lily, and a watch flower. Laid okay. in, oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, laid in the greenhouse floor is a drainage trough. At the east end is a faucet, and at the west end, a pipe through which water can be flushed out of the trough onto the lawn. Okay. So here's a question for you, Ryan. Yeah. Do we wait around to see if there's like a door into the greenhouse, or do we immediately just cut the glass up with our diamond pane? Cut it up. All right. <laughs> cut it up, Caleb. All right. Um, you want to try cut glass with diamond pane? Mm-hmm. Let's see if I allow that. Uh, 
Yeah, it does not appear as though I allowed that possibility. Oh, okay. Um, of cu- of cutting it with the diamond thing. Um, maybe open. Oh. oh wait, no, hold on. I was misspelling diamond bait every single time. Oh. <laughs> Cut. That, that will do it. Diamond bane. Ah. The diamond bane flower isn't sharp enough to cut anything. That must be a default response. Oh, yeah. You hear a metallic jingling sound from somewhere else in the garden. I know what that is. <laughs> I think. Um, uh. So, um, it's not. That can't be right. Uh, what about open with? Um, that doesn't seem to be something you can unlock. Okay. Mm, that's not quite right. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. What if we just tr- go east? Oh, okay. Yeah, just go east. <laughs> the glass wall is intact. There's no one inside. <sighs> okay. I was hoping it was going to do an automatic. Uh, so maybe the noun to attack is the wall? Oh. Like distinct from the greenhouse? No, it's the greenhouse. Okay. So we're missing something. And we're dumb. <laughs> I'm trying to get back into the mind of myself when I made this. <laughs> I, um, so you you definitely have the right idea. Okay. Um, but with the, the diamond being, you're not exactly cutting it. You're not. It doesn't cut glass. Oh, it just destroys glass when it gets near it. Put or yeah. something. Okay. Something. Okay, put Diamond Bane on glass. You throw the Diamond Bane flower at the greenhouse wall. Oh. A pane of glass cracks at the impact, and the flower explodes in a puff of petals. Okay. Nice. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay, let's go pillage the greenhouse. Yeah. For things that we don't know why we need them yet. You want to try going east again? Uh, yeah, yeah. There is a crack in the glass, but as it's only paper thin, you're too large to fit through. Oh, we need to make the doll go through. Ooh, you are smart, Jenny. (laughs) If he hadn't used the word paper, I might not have. Well, (laughs) he did use the word paper, and it wasn't enough for me. He totally did. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah, we can go west and uh, paper doll go east and then go east and then paper doll go east. Okay. So you're back in the hidden lawn and you want to say paper doll go east? I think so. Paper doll go east. It might be useful to ask the paper doll to do something, but you don't have a working mouth. What? Oh, 
Jeez, you buried the lead on that one. <laughs> yeah. I feel like working mouth, right? <laughs> it, it might be the case that we buried the lead. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now we got to get a mouth. Uh, yeah, we do. Can we like paint one on our face with lipstick? Well, I I don't know about that, but I will say there is one more room. That you haven't gone to yet. Oh, okay. Let's okay. go there, there's just five, east there's and then go north and then go northeast. East, north, and then northeast. Okay. Gate. The red brick wall which bounds the northeast corner of the garden is broken here by a wrought iron gate. The bricks are overgrown with mime's mouth. A path oh. leads southwest to the orchard. Far beyond the gate to the northeast is the pink stone bulk of Nightshade, Klaus's parents' house. One mime's mouth flower droops down within reach on a long tendril. A red-brown statue of a dog jaw, with its tail curled loosely under its body, stands here on a granite plinth. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I bet we need this mime's mouth. Yeah. So let's just take it and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Why bother oh, yeah. looking it up? Uh, apparently I did not have that capability. The Mime's Mouth flower is still attached to the stem. You'll have to cut it first. Okay. I cut that flower, then I take that flower. Cut Mime's Mouth. You cut the Mime's Mouth flower free from its stem. It flutters to the ground. Take it. Take it. Okay. Excuse me. Jeez. Um, So, I guess we should examine it. (laughs) We should look it up to find out how it works. A tiny flower whose two red petals are parted like lips. Okay. Uh, I guess we should look it up. Okay. Look up Mime's Mouth. The Mime's Mouth is a useful flower which grows on a climbing deciduous vine. Shaped like a pair of human lips, the mime's mouth can be worn in emergencies to provide a voice for those who have none. Okay, I guess let's try wearing it. You attach the mime's mouth flower to your face. Examine me. You are Bonnie Blythe, an 18-inch high doll with ceramic hands, feet, and head equipped with a mime's mouth flower and a cloth body. Klaus's parents, who are skilled magicians, enchanted you to come to life in case he comes under threat. Okay. okay. Then, uh, now let's execute our daring heist. Yes. Forget all this other stuff in this room. Okay. So back to the place with the doll? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we're back in the hidden lawn. Doll, go east. The paper doll goes east. Then we go east. Then we tell the paper doll to go east again. Okay, east. Now we're in the greenhouse. Doll, go east. The doll slips through the crack into the greenhouse. The liger lily roars and snaps at the paper doll. With no way to defend itself, the paper doll is knocked back into the drainage trough. 
Oh no. The sweet, the sweet masculine bobs in excitement. The faucet, enchanted by a spell, turns on. The trough fills with water, flushing the paper doll through the pipe and out of the greenhouse. The faucet turns off and the trough runs empty. Okay. Okay. There's uh, a lot of lot of dependencies in this garden. The garden of dependencies. <laughs> Is like someone's like intro to coding textbook. Uh-huh. Um uh, so the the paper doll has like a dragon mask, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, should we examine that? Maybe find out what that is. Yeah. A scaly green dragon face with a curling thorned tongue. Can we tell the doll to wear it? I guess. The paper doll doesn't need to wear things. I I had many paper dolls as a child, and I disagree. I don't know. I think I think it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I I think the way that it's programmed, it doesn't actually wear anything. But anything it, it has, so anything it's holding, it'll say that it's equipped with that. Okay. I think it's how I think it's how I did it. So they are separate items. I think that a naked paper doll can be very thrilling on its own. Like, hello. (laughs) Wearing, like, some 1940s-style full-body underpants. Oh, yeah. 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 Like a Victorian bathing suit. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which still had to be form-fitting enough to uh, not show past the other Victorian style clothes. Yes. Yeah. And um, what kind of bugs me about paper dolls is that whatever they're wearing, they're still holding the same pose. And if you want them to be doing something else with their hands, then the paper doll artist has to be creative in like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's like put it on like the, like actually on the outside of the clothes too. Yeah. yeah, it's, uh, um, like I say, I definitely seal, seal, I seal the appeal of paper dolls, <laughs> but, uh, they leave a lot to be desired. They really do. Um, I guess that's why, uh, three dimensional dolls are as popular as they are because they have so much more flexibility Literally and figuratively. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that all of their figurative flexibility is dependent on their literal flexibility. Literal flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's probably like a one-to-one ratio. I would think so, yes. Yeah. What, what, what were we doing in this game? We were talking about... Oh, I see. You, <laughs> I want to talk about dolls. <laughs> okay. Um, do you remember Clout? Uh, that thing the, that the website you, that you were good at the internet yeah 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 um uh-huh. i got clout to say that i was an expert about dolls wow <laughs> yeah i mean if i was gonna ask somebody about felt dolls you would be the first person i asked yeah and by extension 
you would definitely ask me about any other kind of doll. Yeah. We yeah, hope. That makes a certain kind of sense. And yeah. if you are a company that's trying to market dolls, like you have a lot of doll heads that you're trying to sell, then you would oh, wow. get a you know, social media mover and shaker with at least 100 Twitter followers who really wants to, you know, is going to build your brand as a way of building their own brand by tweeting and posting and liking and faving all about dolls. And I'm the guy. Ryan, I'm going to send you a necklace of doll heads that you can start wearing in your YouTube videos to promote my brand. Okay. And in every YouTube video, do I just kind of casually mention where I got my necklace of doll heads? Yeah, just like offhand it a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> it's me, Ryan again, doing the doll vid cast. Today we're talking paper dolls, a controversial subject I know. Uh, by the way, I got this necklace of doll heads from Jenny Dolls, your source for doll heads. <laughs> that was perfect. So, so people donate things to the place where I work and it's usually books but sometimes there's mm-hmm. other things uh-huh. and the best thing that anyone ever donated was this largish paper or largest largish plastic bag full of doll faces <gasps> they were like they were like just the faces just the faces they were like little like shells um they were like maybe two inches by two inches I guess where you'd like make a doll around it kind of but it was just oh the faces God. like 40 of them. And I took oh. one. I should have taken more, but I took one. Oh, man. And it's like, what did you do with it? Well, I was... <laughs> I actually... I had an idea, but it didn't quite work. I was going to make a um, a mask with... There's just like a normal adult-sized head with this little tiny doll face in the very center of it. Oh, yeah. I can see how that <laughs> would, would be been, difficult. It would have been cool, but I haven't done it yet. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, see, if you had taken more of those masks, you could have made a mask that is 40 doll faces. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did not not dream big enough. Oh, jeez. What anime would this be where the guy has, the guy's face is 40 doll faces, and they all blink at the same time, and they all, like, if he gets angry, then all 40 doll faces have little angry faces on them? Did you ever see the claymation? This isn't an anime, but did you see the claymation Mark Twain thing that was on PBS? I know of this, yes. It was really horrifying. <laughs> yeah, um, that's absolutely a thing that that uh, that the literal devil would, <laughs> yeah, would do in this Mark Twain thing. I see. What is it about claymation that drives people to make such creepy things? Yeah, there's something inherently uncanny valley about it. It might be like the animation rate. I don't know. I think it might be. It's it's hard to, whenever you're, I'm watching it, I always keep, at a certain point, imagine like what's the person spending hours and hours and hours doing it. And like the more sort of ordinary and boring it is, like the more you just start thinking about why they were spending so long making this. Um, I did not like Kubo and the True Strings. You what? You didn't? didn't? I didn't like it. I think that mostly my issue was with the 
uh, script, but it was so long ago that I don't remember exactly. Oh. But like, I knew that part of it was CGI at least. Oh, and I yeah. didn't know what part. So yeah. I'm, I, uh, because I knew part of it was CGI or I had heard at least that part of it was CGI. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be impressed by anything yeah. I saw because oh, yeah. Yeah. And it the, might just be CGI. Yeah. And in retrospect, it's like, if your, if your stop motion animation is so flawless that it's indistinguishable from CGI, then um, I'm really sorry because I'm going to say something very <laughs> controversial. It's going to raise a lot of dander. Um, but in that case, I think you might actually be wasting your time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's that's too bad with that one in particular because I don't I don't know if, if you didn't like it, you might not have watched through the credits. But in no, the I credits, did. you can see. So yeah, so you saw like how those they were like giant, like yeah, ten foot tall puppets and stuff. Yeah, they did an amazing job. Yeah, but then was, they could have done the same thing with CGI. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love like stop motion animation. Um, but what I love about it is knowing and seeing that it's fake and handmade and, um, like a studios has gotten so far beyond that, that it's not fun for me to watch anymore. But if I can do a digression from my digression, has anyone <laughs> watched buddy thunderstruck on Netflix? No. Okay. No. It's fun. It's a claymation kids show about it's basically the Dukes of Hazard, but with like animal people. Okay. Netflix. Yeah. I recommend Buddy Thunderstruck to anyone who likes because it's by the um, Robot Chicken Studio. Oh, okay. So it looks like yeah. that, and it's really fun to watch and yeah yeah so anyway um caleb tell me more about whatever the heck we were just doing in the game (laughs) yes we were trying Um, to get a yeah that was actually a digression from a digression from a digression wasn't it wow yeah yeah i'm amazing we're indistinguishable from cgi at this point Mm -hmm. with the digressions so okay yeah so at this point um what might be helpful is there were four different plants in the in the uh, okay in the greenhouse. Yeah, we might as well look all of them up. That would probably be a good idea. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they were the sweet mascaline, which I will look up. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the sweet mascaline is a rare and magical flower, though it is possible that its apparent magic is all just illusions. There is the Galen's Glory. The Galen's Glory, known since antiquity to cure all manner of maladies and complaints, both magical and mundane, is a useful addition to any garden. There is the Watchflower. The watch flower is an ornamental orchid whose jointed stem allows it unusually flexible rotation while seeking the sun. 
though it is sometimes said that it just looks around because it is curious. Okay. I think we need to distract the watch flower, Ryan. And there is the, lig the liger lily. The liger lily is an aggressive flower whose bloom can move under its own power. Since it is known to fiercely defend itself against all natural pollinators, it must be pollinated carefully by hand. I would say that that is pretty much my favorite of the flowers present. The liger lily? Yeah. Yeah. So, to have those. um, we should, uh, cause it was the liger lily that like attacked. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. How can we get the doll to, like, does the doll just always have its dragon head active? Um, so it is probably not giving away too much to say that the dragon head is purely cosmetic. Ooh. Okay. Um, what do you think, Jenny? Were there some other things that the doll had? The the doll also has uh, paper thigh boots and a paper fringed dress. Okay, so probably not useful. Although, it's probably a cute outfit. Maybe. <laughs> the problem Depending is... on the fringe? Well, in my head, um, mm -hmm. all the... The doll and all of its parts are all just white paper for some reason. And so none of it is particularly attractive because it's just a white shape. Uh, so if I had a better imagination, I could imagine... Hold on. Uh, I am too distracted to imagine this correctly. It okay. I'm willing to accept that if I were imagining it correctly, it would look really cute, yeah. Okay. But probably not helpful against the Liger Lily. Probably not. So, mm. um, and it's not like we have a paper weapon that we could give to the. No. Okay. Hmm. You know what? Let's let's do something that makes a tiny amount of sense. Let's go okay. west and just try to cut the starry seek sorrow. Okay. Cut starry seek sorrow. That would be really funny if that worked. You cut the starry seek sorrow free from its stem. It flutters to the ground. Uh, uh. Wake Caleb. Klaus does not wake up. When we... Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, we haven't seen, like, a plant that wakes people up yet, right? No. I'm thinking the Galen's glory is probably the ultimate thing that we want. Uh... But there are some plants in the room where we got the mime mouth that we didn't look up. Oh, 
yeah, let's go look those plants up. Okay, we'll go to the gate. Um, no, there were not any other plants there. Oh. Oh. There was th- things that were there. There is the uh, nightshade, which is the house, which is in the distance. Okay. And there's there's also the statue of a dog jaw. Oh yeah. I was going to ask you to look up the dog jaw, but it's not going to be in there. Well, we, we should maybe that? examine it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A statue of a prehistoric pseudo mammal, a kynodont carved from an unusually large piece of petrified wood. Its body is bulky and powerful with a barrel-like torso, short, sturdy, clawed legs, and a huge, toothy mouth. It's red-brown with stripes along its flank like a young boar. Ah, I found a typo. Oh, oh no. Shh, don't say anything. Yeah. Um, hmm. So... Do you think that this dog jaw is useful in any way? I don't know. Um, let's uh, take it. Yeah, let's take it. It won't work, but... That's fixed in place. Okay. Does anything happen if we put the mime's mouth on it? Ugh. <laughs> Putting things on the stone dog jaw statue would achieve nothing. Okay. When you do release three, that might be a a place to put like a flavor interaction. Totally, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, In my first game, I replaced the library response for putting stuff on stuff with like, don't try to get fancy. (laughs) <laughs> and I think I've done that in a lot of games since then. It never comes up though because uh usually you don't put stuff on stuff. It's a waste yeah. of time. Um right. You're the enemy of fanciness. That's true. If I wanted you to be fancy, I would uh we'll come back to that. Um I Writing a sentence that that just straight up says, "This is the time for you to get fancy." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the like. <laughs> that's only a hint that you should put something on something if you've been trying to put things on something <laughs> in other places and gotten that yeah. error message. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be cool if you could pull that off. I have, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've. Long wanted, and I think uh, this has been done, but uh, I get ideas a lot for um, games that are really centered around um, the player understanding, like, the fakeness, essentially, of the i7 world, and your... um, I guess the not necessarily having programmed such games, but being intimate enough with the world model that uh, you know how supporters and containers work, and um, that is how you uh, 
solve puzzles, not by using real world knowledge, but by using Inform Seven knowledge. Um, what a great game that would be for me. <laughs> it would have a limited audience, but I, I yeah. that's my actually my favorite thing about Inform. I I love tables. I mean, and like boxes. I love it's so neat, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes I, in real life, your stuff is just all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tidy. If you try to put something in, in the wrong place, it just yeah, neatly yeah. rejects you. Yep. Don't yeah, try like to get in real fancy. life. Yeah, I can put all kinds of things on other things. Just put socks on a TV? Nothing. Yeah. 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 But in real life, we have, like... There are so many, like, every object is something we have to worry about. And in in Form 7, so many objects are scenery, and they never really have to interface with the horrible monsters at the ends of our arms. And even when you do have to worry about an object in a text game, it's, like, like the, like, worrying about it is framed as here is a thing that's got some opportunity and you are excited to have found this yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, I love like if you found a bunch of tax adventures like anchor head. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, oh boy, what can I do with these? What information can I learn from these tax <laughs> You know what, Jenny, maybe maybe we do need to take that approach out into the world and mm-hmm. see all of these objects like just in this room I'm seeing dozens of objects and they're some of them are providing function some of mm-hmm. them are scenery but none of mm-hmm. them I'm looking at in terms of the opportunities that they present to me and now as I as I think in that frame of mind my my vision is suddenly becoming colorful it's like that thing that was all gray and terrible before now is pink and vibrant, and I think maybe I could smash a window with this. <laughs> you probably could. Oh, jeez, I can see a skateboard from where I'm sitting. That skateboard is the solution to a puzzle. It totally is. Yeah. The puzzle of how do I hurt myself a lot by falling off a skateboard. Well, or the puzzle of how do you become a sick kickflip mctwist (laughs) actually this skateboard has been i have never used it as an actual skateboard but it has been invaluable when moving heavy objects because i don't own a dolly okay yeah Yeah. see right there yeah that's a straight up puzzle solution type in's listeners objects are magical (laughs) the world is a puzzle (laughs) <laughs> and all your stupid junk that you won't throw away is the solution. Mm-hmm. And if you need to move and you don't own a dolly, seriously, buy a skateboard for a dollar at a yard sale. Yeah. And, and if your life is a text adventure, then there will be a skateboard for sale for a dollar. Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling that so the pe- people who have a hoarding problem, I bet that's part of it like they oh, see yeah. the magical possibilities in everything and that's why they can't get rid of anything yeah that might be part of it yeah i think that 
a big because I have hoarding tendencies, I think. And I think it's not so much seeing the magical, like understanding how it's a solution, but this much less magical thinking, geez, I'm probably going to have a problem someday where this will be the solution. Uh, okay, yeah. So it's like the less fun version of that. The much less fun version. It's the version where, like, in the informed game, you have a knapsack that has, like, 3,000 things in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Terrible. Yeah. Never buy art supplies. Anyway. Anyway. Um, I feel like this dog jaw would not be in the game if it didn't do something. But I'm. Oh. So I would. I would be inclined to think that. Except the after finding out the dragon mask was purely decorative, I just don't know anymore. Ooh. Um. Can we push the dog jaw? Hmm. Push it southwest, for example. The statue ignores you entirely. Uh, okay. And I tried also push statue southwest, and it says, the stone dog jaw statue cannot be pushed from place to place. Okay. Okay. So we need to put it on a skateboard. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. Well, hint. I ask for a hint. Okay. So I I do have a hint. So you mentioned something. Wait, no. About... Is this a? Is there a hint <laughs> command in the no. game? Okay. No, that's not a verb. I recognize. Because right. I was just in that moment. I was thinking, it's okay to resort so quickly to hints on this podcast because a we don't have the text of the game to refer back to, and b. Yeah. Um, like it's a chance for the author to, you know, show off this mechanic that was written into the game that otherwise we wouldn't get to see. So I'm never going to feel bad about asking for in-game hints in this podcast ever again. Um, I'm only going to feel slightly bad about you giving us a author hint right now. Do it. Okay. So you, you sort of had the right idea and do you want me to tell you what the sort of right idea was? Yes about a paper weapon. Okay. Okay. And and this is a case where if you could refer back, you have actually seen something, something earlier that would, if you could scan back over the text, you might. Does the, did the petals from the blood bane, diamond bane, did those continue to exist after they fell to the ground? Nope. Okay. That was probably a one-use thing. Do you think we could get the needle vine? Um, we we should try. I feel like that has yeah. another puzzle step in front of it, but let's do it. Okay. Okay. So the needle vine is actually gone. It is. Oh, oh, it, oh, oh, that was what when we heard the chimes. Oh, so now it just chimes now. Yep. So now, if you're in the orchard, here's here's what it says in the orchard now. Okay. Orchard. The hummocky gar- ground is shaded by large fruit trees. Paths lead south to the greenhouse, west to the folly, and northeast to the gate. 
A six-foot-high tangle of zephyrwort dances and whirls beneath the tree trunks. A coffin tree grows here. High in its branches sprouts an immature gall the size of a baby's casket. Close to the ground, its massive, mature gall has split open, ready for use. A chime cherry tree is covered with fruit. Most of the cherries are unripe, but one bunch, hanging six feet up, bright red and glossy, looks ready to chime. And where's the zephyrwort? Um, it is in this area, whirling around. Okay. Then, I thought that the Zephyr... Oh, anyway. Uh, take those chimes. The bunch of chime cherries is too far away. The Zephyr wart whirls around the bunch of chime cherries, setting them jingling like bells. Yes, yes. It does that every so often. Uh-huh. So we did put the game in an unwinnable state. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. No, Klaus said we couldn't do that. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Jenny. Yes. Have an idea. Uh, I can't do it when you're listening. Okay. I'm, I'm not listening. Okay. Did we examine the Zephyr Wart? A living storm of leaves and tendrils moving under its own power. Okay. Uh, what's what's in our inventory? You are carrying a mime's mouth flower. <gasps> I get it. Worn, a guidebook, a pair of clippers, and a long white dress. Being and worn. oh, we didn't take it. Um, go south. Tell the um, paper doll to go. Uh, come back, or no? The paper doll is whatever. Uh, go eat west to where the book is on the floor, and take the sword and shield off the cover of the book. Oh! Take sword. That seems to be a part of the Book of Nights. Uh, I uh, felt really okay. clever for a very short you, period of time. You should, no! Do we have the thing? We don't have the thing that cuts things anymore. Oh, you the clippers? clippers? Okay, yeah, then we're good. We're good. the things that cut things. Well, the thing that clips things, but I forgive you. Oh, sure. (laughs) Thank you. Cut sword. Working carefully, you cut the paper sword out from the book's dust jacket. Give the sword to the paper... Well, the paper doll's probably still back there, but we'll give it to the paper doll. Okay. The doll takes the paper sword and bows its thanks. Yeah. All right. Let's oh, try right. it again. Or does, do you think we need the shield? We might as well try the shield. Can't hurt. Okay. So we'll do that the same way. Cut shield. Working carefully, you cut the paper shield out from the book's dust jacket. Give shield to doll. Caleb's going to be so upset when he wakes up. <laughs> the doll takes the paper shield and bows its thanks. All right. Okay. Once more unto the fray. 
Okay, so we are all assembled at the greenhouse now. Okay. So you want to do? You want to send the doll in? Yeah. Yes. Doll, go east. The doll slips through the crack into the greenhouse. The liger lily roars and snaps at the paper doll. The doll, fending off the attack with its paper shield, stands its ground. The watchflower watches with interest. Okay. Um, so we want that Gary plant. What is it called? <laughs> yes, Galen's Glory. <laughs> Named after Galen, the first physician, I assume. Yep. Take Galen's Glory. The glass is in the way. No. I, doll, I, I, comma, take Galen. Oh, doll, take Galen's Glory. The paper doll pulls ineffectually at the Galen's Glory, which is still attached to its stem. The liger literally roars and snaps at the paper doll. The doll, fending off the attack with its paper shield, stands its ground. I bet that the paper sword is sharp enough to cut the Galen's Glory, so doll, Let's comma, cut it. Galen's Glory. Doll, cut Galen's Glory. The paper doll cuts the Galen's Glory free from its stem. It flutters to the ground. All, All right. right. Doll, comma, take Galen's glory. The paper doll picks up the Galen's glory. Okay, so probably we need to get it out through the drainage ditch. So, like, doll, comma, enter ditch? Okay. It's a trough, though. So, I'm going to type. So, doll, oh. enter trough. The paper doll gets into the trough. The faucet, enchanted by a spell, turns on. The trough fills with water, flushing the paper doll through the pipe and out of the greenhouse. The faucet turns off and the trough runs empty. Okay. So can we take the glory from the doll? The paper doll gives the Galen's glory to you. Okay. Um, Okay. I want to say, I think the only... I always say this like I can remember everything I've played, but I think the only time that I've successfully done the puzzle with character comma do stuff is mm-hmm. the um, the robot mouse in Curses. So I feel mm. really good right now. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the paper doll, it's, it's a simple kind of character. Like, you can't... Um, it's much easier when it's just like a like a robot mouse or or a doll or something where you don't have yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like that was a good puzzle. Human characters, um, like it, it <laughs> almost never makes sense for a character to respond to, "Hey, comma, do stuff." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Although I just had a great idea that I can't tell you. Dang it! Dang it! Okay. Uh, Jenny, play the game while I do something. Uh, okay. Let's look up Galen's glory in the book. The Galen's glory, known since antiquity to cure all manner of maladies and complaints, both magical and mundane, is a useful addition to any garden. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I think we we read that already. Can we examine it? A flower with broad petals of red, yellow, white, and black, the colors of the four humors. Okay. 
Um, so I guess let's let's go back to where Caleb is on the ground. And I don't know, like feed it to him. Okay, feed. And let's go away to The Galen's glory settles down over Klaus's nose and mouth. For a few moments, nothing happens. Then he takes a deep, involuntary breath. After a few more breaths, his eyes clear. He coughs and sits up suddenly, and the Galen's glory falls from his face. As his consciousness returns, yours fades. You have saved Klaus. Hey! Hey! I hope we uh, neutralize the starry sorrow thing successfully enough. So... There is various options like restore, restart, quit, undo, or read the epilogue. Oh, yeah, let's read the epilogue. I should say so. (laughs) Somewhere in a magic garden, a notorious flower decomposes. Over the autumn, it shrivels. Over the winter, it liquefies and turns to slime. And in the spring, this most devious of all flowers reseeds itself. Its root system grows invisibly beneath a bed of lace grass. It is careful not to extend a tendril and bud a new bloom until the time is right. Beware the starry seek sorrow. Man! Uh-oh. I feel like we got the suboptimal ending, Ryan. Um, possible. Um, I wonder if we should have done a thing with like the seek flower and the zephyr root hose. Um, like put it in the baby coffin? Oh, yeah! <laughs> so so there, there is... There is more stuff you can do, uh, but that's part part of what I like doing in in games I make is not having like a lot of stuff is optional. So there is like a lot of other little corners and stuff you can poke into. Yeah, I like that a lot too. Story. I yeah. very much appreciate these worlds where you don't see necessarily every single corner of the world on your way through the critical path. Um, so I think. Yes, good job. And I'm kind of inclined not to yeah. to, to leave that for our listeners to yeah. do. Yeah. I concur. Okay. Thank you very much for game, Klaus. <laughs> so, so something else that I'll I'll mention. Oh um, yeah. I don't I don't know if this will make it, you more or less likely to think that I'm not actually Klaus. But um, when you start the game, it's totally random. Uh, whether you are helping, whether you're trying to rescue Klaus or Clara, because I couldn't decide whether it should be a little girl or a little boy you're trying to rescue. Huh. It's, it's random. It's random at the beginning. <laughs> That's nice. Um, the the um, the um, the book of nights was procedural, right? Um, yes. Uh, when you re- whenever you read it, it just has like a short little. Um, like you know, one sentence long anecdote about a knights. That's really cool. Um, see, that's another way that this game is cool. Is that there's randomness, and it's like not yeah. important randomness. Or I guess when is randomness ever critical to anything? I don't know. I like it. Shut up. I like it. <laughs> I something that I. I know that they're not as in fashion anymore, but I really like the classic. This was my attempt to make like a very, very classic parser game, like with 
consult. I love mm-hmm. consult. I love consult yeah. too. And, and so it's it's just sort of fallen out of fashion to go around consulting. So I wanted to you know make a game where there's lots of things to look up. Um, so, um, how much of the detail, like, are there any details that come from the songs that you use as inspiration and that, uh, uh, add flavor to the game, but don't really feature in any of the puzzles? Well, so the... The setting, let me look up the lyrics of that because I'm trying to remember. So for one thing, the band is called Dolls Come to Life, and that gave me one of the big ideas from it. Um, Which idea was that? <laughs> I forgot what the song was called. Uh, the, the Violet, Violet Hour? Hour? The Violet Hour. So I think it, it has this vague thing, of, like it sort of seems like it it's not a magical garden, but it, it has lyrics about a sort of garden at evening. And so that I, that's where I think I got the idea for it to be a garden. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so there was a, Oh yeah. There one, the one specific thing that came from a puzzle or a puzzle that came from something specific, which, uh, which it, as is sometimes happens, I you sort of solved it before, or you dealt with it before it ever became a puzzle. But if if you um, the zephyr wart will blow the paper doll around. Oh, and and so if you hadn't gotten rid of the needle vine, that sort yeah. of keeps the zephyr wart in that one place, okay. playing with the chime cherry. Because there's a line in the song about like something like blow the wind blows me away or something like that. Okay. okay. This is that That's explains all. why that felt like that whole part of the game we just hadn't dealt with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yep. you know, I think that um cuz I think there's a uh truism or kind of an assumption among uh designers or reviewers or thinkers that um, if you, you know, if the player finds the key before she finds the lock, then that's a problem somehow. And uh, I think that it's kind of impossible to make a game that's like a world and not just... uh, To make a game not be super railroady, you have yeah. to have the possibility of uh, things not working out in exactly that way. And yep. uh, I don't know. I feel kind of guilty whenever it's possible for things to happen in that order. But I don't think it's avoidable. I think that trying to avoid it too much makes uh, the game or makes it less of a world. Yeah. 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 And really, if it weren't for the meta knowledge that everything in an adventure game was going to be useful, like there's a lot of times that the player would not know they had found the key if they didn't just know that everything was the key to something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Um, not your fault. No. And, uh, like, depending on how it works, I think that... um, 
like the idea that you're trying to preserve is that the uh, player should be like seeing the door first and being like, uh, this door, I got to figure this out. I got to solve this. And then you find the uh, key and it's the catharsis uh, or like putting them together creates this catharsis. But like sometimes seeing either half of the puzzle yeah. still gives you that feeling of wondering what the heck does this key do? Why haven't I found yeah. the door to this uh, key? Oh, yeah. And uh, that yeah. does rely on the uh, meta knowledge somewhat, but it's, uh, you know, can be a very evocative experience. Uh, and I think we can prove this if we write a game with a key that doesn't open anything. I think people would love that if they didn't know <laughs> that it was part of an experiment. Um, if they thought, geez, I, I played all the way through this game. I still don't know what the green key opens. Um, Actually, the, the sword and the shield in the game that we just played mm-hmm. were really, yeah, like kind of cleverly hidden as keys. Yes. I felt yeah. extremely clever when I figured that out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was a good job, right? Thank you. Well, no, I think that we should say that that was a good job, Caleb, because he allowed me to feel clever. Which well, is on, Klaus. the oh, <laughs> a good uh, adventure game designer. It's someone who makes people feel clever all the time, or very effectively. Yes. Um, thanks, Caleb. Yeah.